Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Ecclesiastes, which means the preacher. And I'm not really preaching today. I'm more teaching, but I'd love for you to join along with me as we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We'll begin today in verse 13. And let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open up in prayer, we ask that you uh, cause our hearts to open up so that the seed of your word will be sown on good soil and we can have the 100-fold return of righteousness, peace, and a whole bunch of joy in our lives. Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agree and say, Amen. Praise God. Now, verse 13, this is interesting, very interesting. This, uh, Solomon says, this wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. So let's talk today about an example of uh, what we would call a higher category of wisdom, great wisdom. And notice that Solomon says, I have also seen. So he was a great observer. He would be the type of person that if you sat down with, even with all of the knowledge and wisdom that he had, he would be a great listener. <laughs> and out of listening to you, maybe just by listening, perhaps he could fully diagnose the situation and give you the right uh, word, the right remedy that would be needed. So uh, he was observant. He was on the hunt for continual wisdom. So he says, this wisdom I have also seen under the sun. Now, let's stop just for a moment and real quick ask ourselves what actually is wisdom. Wisdom, if we look at a couple of basic definitions, I would say leading the way would be the definition that wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Primarily, when we look at it from a biblical context, the difference between good and evil. And that's really what you see the primary application of wisdom used for in the Bible. Uh, God's word is God's will. And if God says this is right and that over there is wrong, then we have the, the ability now through the wisdom of the word to know what's right and what's wrong. Okay, so we can discern between good and evil, between good and bad, between faith or perhaps something that is a activity of foolishness uh, disguised as faith. We can discern that through the wisdom of God. We can begin to understand through the wisdom of God what is genuine, what could actually work, or something that could be a cleverly devised scheme to empty all, all of the money out of our savings account. Amen. There's a lot of that stuff out there, isn't there? Schemes, lies, gimmicks, tricks. Uh, uh, thieves abound uh, who always seem to want what somebody else has. But wisdom can see right through the lies that are often rooted uh, in covetousness, get-rich-quick schemes, gimmicks, tricks, and on and on it goes. And that doesn't mean that you couldn't 
move forward quickly, but God would never move you forward at a pace that your character is not able to keep up with. Mm -mm. May you never hold in your hand what God has not desired for you to have, at least not perhaps at a certain season in your life. After all, you wouldn't give a loaded shotgun to a four-year-old and say, well, I just trust it. You'll do good with it. They don't know. They don't have the wisdom yet to know the difference between uh, power and, you know, the innocence of not realizing the magnitude of what they could be given. So we as parents are always more interested in their well-being. Praise God. So wisdom is the ability to recognize difference, and it's also the ability to know what to do in any situation. You know, based upon the word of God, how to react in faith, praise the Lord, and you know how to begin walking out of it because with the Lord, there's always a way out. Mm -mm. Why do some people commit suicide? Because they think there's no way out. They think they have to uh, end their lives because the situation is hopeless. And that's certainly what the devil would be suggesting to them. But with Jesus and his word, there is always a way out. Mm -mm. Praise God. So wisdom is also the ability to know what to do in every situation. And wisdom is the ability to make good Woo! Good decisions. Hallelujah. And once you start making good decisions and you dry up and eliminate bad decision making, it is amazing how much smoother and easier your life gets. Some people want to run, run away, maybe from the country or their nation they're in, and they think, if they just get to America, uh, somehow, uh, like everything somehow changes. Or if you get to maybe a, a certain city or whatever, everything will change if you just move. But you still show up with the same mentality, with the same type of mental baggage or the same way of thinking. But my friends, when you start making right decisions, you can start going up right where you're at because God's covenant, the power of his word will work anywhere any place for any person who will put it to use. But these are all things that we ascertain through the wisdom of God as we walk in his wisdom. Praise the Lord. So let's continue on. This wisdom I have also seen under the sun. So he is a uh, wisdom fanatic. He is a pursuer of wisdom. Anytime you think of Solomon, of course, you think of wealth and riches, uh, you know, the second king, excuse me, third king over the nation of Israel, but really everybody thinks about Solomon as the man of wisdom. This wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it. How many is a, is a few? I don't know. Maybe had like eight people there, maybe 12 or something like that. So little bitty tiny city, uh, maybe 50 or a hundred or something. There was a little city with few men in it and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Well, if he's a great king, he's got his great army. So you're, you're outnumbered, uh, outmaneuvered, outpowered, out this and that. You know, they, the army's got plenty of supplies. You're eventually going to run out. You can't beat them through military strength. It would appear that it's all over, but yet the outcome is going to be exactly 
the opposite. Mm. Verse 15. Now there was found in it a poor, wise man. It's almost like a conflicting statement. A poor, wise man. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Wow, now that's, that's pretty amazing. I wonder who that guy was. Um, and it's not just at times, you know, like a guy doing it. There's been times even in the Bible when there was a woman, one woman in the, in the entire city, the whole city's probably going to get wiped out. And one woman ends the whole thing and everybody leaves and the city is in peace. Matter of fact, let's look at it just for a moment. We'll come right back to Ecclesiastes, but that would be over in second Samuel chapter 20. And let's go to verse 20. And Joab, of course, David's uh, leading general, Joab answered and said, far be it, uh, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. Now he is already surrounded and laid siege to a city. He's after one guy and he's, tra he's tracked that guy down to the city. The guy went to the city. Now the inhabitants are like defending that guy and they're going to like fight for him. But Joab is undeterred. He's going he's to destroy and take apart that whole city to get that one guy. And verse 21, that is not so, but a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman, one person in the whole city, so the woman said to Joab, watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. <laughs> the Bible's kind of a bloody book sometimes, isn't it? Don't ever forget, please, I, I know we love the grace message, and I understand the new covenant is different from the old covenant, but there's also a part, don't ever forget, God's a killer. Mm -mm. Every day, sinners die, and when they die, they don't just like go into the grave and cease to exist. If you die outside of Christ, lost in your sins, you know where you're going, and there's no air conditioner down there, okay? We all know that. Praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, sometimes you might have a dictator and he does uh, ruthless and horrible things to his people and then he's overthrown, but maybe he flees and escapes and goes to another country that sympathizes for him and uh, then he lives his life out in safety and then dies at an old age and then people say, well, he escaped judgment. He got away with it. It's not fair. Uh, no, he didn't get away with anything. We know where he's at right now. Mm, 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 mm. Praise the Lord. Watch out. Amen. These things are left in the scriptures for a reason. Then the woman in her wisdom, how about that? The woman in her wisdom went to all the people and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri and threw it out the Joab. Then he blew a trumpet. He did just like what he said he would do. Then he blew a trumpet and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Mm, praise God. One woman saved an entire city from destruction. Now here, let's jump back over to our primary story with uh, Solomon speaking in Ecclesiastes. We have this one man, very unusual. Uh, he's, he's a wise man, but he is poor. Again, verse 15. Now there was found in it 
a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I, Solomon, then I said, wisdom is better than strength. In other words, Solomon had the uh, ability to examine a story or a real life situation like what we're seeing here, and then pull an application out of that of wisdom of how he could apply it to his life and, uh, you know, make something useful out of it. And so here is what he did, uh, uh, brought forth or deduced from that wisdom. Wisdom is better than strength. Very interesting. Wow. Listen to this in the message translation. All the same, I still say that wisdom is better than muscle. Woo! Ooh, that's dangerously good. Wisdom is better than muscle. I would say it like this. Here's my modern translation. Let the machine do it. <laughs> Let the machine do the heavy lifting. Pastor Stephen, I can squat 800 pounds. Let me lift it. No, no, no. Let's use the forklift because we don't want you to get a hernia. Okay, so I was at work years back, and a new guy came on the job, and he, he was, he was uh, beefed up. He had uh, tremendous uh, uh, strength development, probably could easily bench, uh, I would say probably 400 pounds, massive squat, and just great strength. And uh, he was assigned to move some things around in the facility, uh, but he wasn't supposed to be, uh, when I say move some things around, that's like 20 or 30 pound stuff. Uh, that's all he was supposed to be moving. There was also some heavier stuff, but we all knew on the heavier stuff, and he, he knew that too, you use the machines. But, ah, ah, he wanted to display to everybody how strong he was, and he picked up some things that probably weighed each one about 200 pounds because I would never move them by myself. I'd always get a buddy, or we would put them on the machine and then let, all, let the machine do the work, but he, he wanted to make an impression. And he moved a whole bunch of heavy stuff like that. Next day, he didn't show up for work. And uh, we found out that, yeah, he made an impression all right. He got a hernia and uh, tore something, that, you know, down there. And uh, because, you know, you can do that, but... Um, uh, but if you, if you, I mean, if you do a weight workout, it is what it is. Okay. But if, if you're like doing this, like for like a, a 10 hour shift, <laughs> uh, something can break down. So what, what does that mean? It means wisdom is greater than muscle. Okay. Let's use the machine. Let the machine do the heavy lifting. Um, earlier, uh, uh, yesterday, so this is, was real recent. We just got back from San Antonio, uh, from the meetings in Texas. It was great to see some of you partners there. We had a great time. Very, very strong movings of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, I was noticing that on my driveway that there was an area down at the base of it that was really eroding. And uh, we have a long driveway that comes off the main road that goes up to our house. And at the bottom part is where uh, there was quite a bit of erosion taking place. But what had happened is that the city is laying some new pipes. And so the city parked some of their heavy equipment on our driveway and it, uh, it really messed it up. And so they, they finished their work and I said, hey guys, you kind of really roughed up my driveway. They said, well, we're sorry, we'll fix it. <laughs> and you know what? I had thought about my driveway before and I thought maybe... 
I could get a couple of guys and we could just go down there with shovels and uh and I the but you know every time I thought about it I thought oh that's that's not an easy job you that's not something that you get into and like 30 minutes later you're done that this is like a this is like some seriously uh heavy stuff that would be going on here so I just said no that's not a good idea and I just waited and sure enough they came along and uh uh they they fixed the entire thing. They pulled up first with a big giant dump truck, okay, that can haul forty thousand pounds. Then they pulled up with an excavator, and the ex uh, and then they went to work with the big uh, cement saw and just sawed right through it. So you know, can you imagine me out there with a shovel and a wheelbarrow trying to move all of that? Wow. I mean, that's the thing. Like R. G. Torno, the man that it developed the earth moving equipment. You have to understand that back in the 1900s, like, like right around 1920, when his ideas, he really began to implement them and started to build motorized earth-moving equipment, he was doing that when the entire world was still walking behind a donkey with a plow. That's, that's all you had. And so, you know, you have the combustion engine and you have Henry Ford with the Model T and stuff like that, where he's also, he's getting combustion engines, but he's working with tractors. And then he's thinking, oh, I could hook, I could hook a, uh, I could hook a plow up to that. And then uh, eventually he's thinking, well, I don't need anybody even back there to guide the plow. And, and then he's like getting rid of men that are doing backbreaking work. And then he's giving them what? Dignified work by now driving these amazing machines and now they're making more money and now they're feeling really good about themselves because they are in control of machines that are moving thousands of pounds of dirt in one minute as compared to what uh, you know men working with donkeys and shovels could do in a day they're just doing it in minutes so you know a lot of times people would say well you know pastor Stephen if we keep advancing with machinery then we are going to eliminate jobs that humans do uh Yes, that's the whole idea. That's what you want to do. I mean, stop and think about it. Mainly, um, if we go back in time, say 120 years, when women, because that's what usually the women would do, like the wife, the mother, would wash all of the family's clothes. You take it out to an old wash tub and you scrub the dirty overalls and you, you, you try to get it clean. You got to hang it up on a clothesline. My grandmother was doing stuff like that until, until, uh, grandpa brought her, uh, brought home one day, a washing machine, an electric motorized washing machine. And, uh, the washing, the clothes out in the, the wash pot days were over. So that eliminated for her about two hours every day of hard, hard work. And so she's rejoicing in machinery. By the way, what brings nations out of uh, what we would call a, a state of not being modernized into functioning nations that are running up the pace with current technology. What is the central thing that works around all of that? Machines. It's, it's machines. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> what does that mean? It means wisdom is better than strength. Stop and think about it just for a moment. The fastest speed ever recorded by a human being was at the top of his at the top of his sprint, the speed was 27.5 miles per hour. But you know, you could do that on a bicycle, at least going downhill on a bicycle. So the fastest human ever recorded has run 27.5 
miles per hour. Pr pretty impressive, actually, but still, it's still just 27 miles an hour. Did you know that, and I'm sure many of you do, that when the space shuttle, although it's retired, but when it would re-enter into the Earth's atmosphere, it's going Mach 20. Woo! <laughs> that's not just uh, uh, supersonic. That's, that's like hypersonic. Praise God. So that's just incredibly fast. But all of that is a product of math, science. That's a product of wisdom and applying yourself uh, upstairs. Praise God. Working with the mind, working with what God has given you. Why? So that we can go beyond. We can go beyond just these levels of strength. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Wisdom is better than strength. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wisdom is the key. Wisdom is the key. Now, here's what's amazing. He still is thinking about the story of the poor, wise man. He's drawing his conclusions. Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Hmm. What's really the problem that we're having here with wisdom when it's connected with poverty? What's the problem? The problem with this uh, poor wise man is that he's unable to translate his wisdom over to the area of economic or financial relevance. Okay, let me say it again. This wise man who is poor is unable to translate his wisdom, and he's definitely got it. I mean, he saved a whole city, but he's unable to translate that type of wisdom over into the area of economic relevance in his personal life. Praise God. Praise God. So you can win a military battle, but at the same time, you can lose on the financial battlefield. Hmm. Wow. You know, there have been presidents, former presidents, not recently, of course, but there have been former U.S. presidents who have gone back home after their presidency and have faced bankruptcy, have lived in destitute situations, um, just literally like penniless. And that's also why uh, eventually you know, Congress stepped in and said, we have to do something about, you know, the great leaders that have served us so that later in life, uh, because they are a reflection of us, you know, they're not left uh, penniless. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Interesting things that we have to think about as we jump into the word of God. You know, you can be a prophet used of God, but then come under financial duress and literally have a heart attack because it's sending you to an early grave. And then the debtors still show up and say, well, he died, uh, but he never paid his debts off. And they're still knocking on the door. And they're saying uh, to the now to the widow saying, uh, we need to take your two sons because your husband never paid the debt off. What happened? Wisdom, a prophet associated even with Elisha, the great prophet at that time of Israel, but yet even this prophet with his full-time prophetic ministry, there was something with the wisdom that he walked in, even knowing the Lord and serving God, that he couldn't, he couldn't somehow bring it over to work in his personal life. 
uh, you know, prophesy over others, but the just shall live by faith. You can get the most riveting prophetic words. That just means you've got work to do. And we rejoice in that, but it means we've got work to do. And I think that's what sometimes people don't understand. And if you don't understand these things, then you could be celebrating all these prophecies because there's, there's plenty of people that just pump, pump them out every day. And it'll become like, it'll become nothing different than a horoscope where people show up and say, well, I'm Gemini. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, whatever these different uh, Zodiac signs. And they're trying to find out what the stars are saying to them, uh, every day. And then you're just being led by whims and wishes. And it's just a fairy tale stuff that never comes to pass. But when you're in the word, you have to work on it. You have to take that word and uh, go to work with it or else, or else, you know, I, I have seen uh, people with PhDs sweeping streets. Yes. Something went wrong somewhere. They had wisdom. They could solve, you know, uh, complex problems, but they couldn't solve their own complex problem uh, where they could win in their personal life. In other words, this man had wisdom. He delivered in an entire city but yet he's forgotten and he was not celebrated because of his poverty that he was in. Now, this is what I wrote down. Poverty will attempt to distort your destiny and minimize the tremendous potential of your mind. Mm -mm. Poverty will attempt to distort your destiny make it look like it's small, make it look like it's nothing important. Okay. It tries to distort your destiny and it will endeavor to minimize the tremendous potential of your mind mm -mm. because your mind can take you a lot further than 27 miles an hour. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So let's make this tie in. Let's make this tie in so that we don't just have, uh, you know, like, uh, wisdom about flowers and trees and plants and all that stuff, you know, uh, and, uh, that's all good. But let's also have a, a full uh, blessing on the table of our lives. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come with me to Isaiah chapter 11. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. Let me get a drink of hot tea. Praise the Lord. You're going to have the full package. You're not going to be in the classification of the wise poor man. No, you're not going to be in the classification of the wise poor woman. No, no. My friends, the Lord certainly doesn't want you to be covetous, but he doesn't want you to be poor either. There is no scripture in the Bible that says God wants you to be poor. Matter of fact, the scripture says that God gives you the power to get wealth. Remember, you need power to go uphill. You don't, know, you need, you don't need any power or help to go downhill. You can roll downhill. Gravity will do its thing. And the fallen sin nature of the world will do its thing in this area. So that's why we have strength to go uphill. Praise God. Now, Isaiah 11, verse 1, there shall come for, excuse me, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Well, kind of hard to 
put this one verse in English without expanding it out. It, there's a lot more in the Hebrew than what we're looking at here. Basically, what you're seeing in verse 1 is that the Davidic line through Jesse, the father of David, but the Davidic line, the, the throne of David, during the time of Jesus was just like wiped out. It was like a tree that flourished during the life of David, that, that flourished during the life of Solomon. And, you know, it had its time, but over time, eventually it was as if that tree was completely chopped down and the only thing left would be like a stump. But, you know, ideally, if you're going to cut a tree down, uh, that was the problem back in ancient times. You, you, you could cut the tree down, but you, they, you know, you got the problem now with the root ball or the stump. And so, um, thank God for machines that could just grab it and yank the whole thing out. But back then, you know, when you're dealing with the tap root and all that, boy, that's really hard to dig out. <laughs> so anyhow, you tried to cut the tree down right at ground level. And so what, what would happen is that if it's an oak tree, um, you can cut that total tree down, but the stump's still in the ground and out of the oak tree. Now it's different with some other types of trees. If you cut like a cedar down and the stump is still in the ground, it's going to rot. But if you cut an oak down and the stump uh, still is in the ground, it'll start to shoot up those little shoots. And it says here that one's going to come up. A branch is going to come up. So when Jesus was on the earth with his ministry, with his life, basically, it's like, the, uh, and he was directly descended from David on both sides, mom and dad. But what's fascinating is that with Jesus, he actually was, uh, if, if they would have crowned the king at that time in Israel, it would have been, it would have been him. He would have been the rightful king. Praise the Lord. This is very, very exciting. But in all appearance, it looked like the tree's gone. All that's left is maybe a stump, but that's all it took. Praise God. And out of that comes Jesus. And it says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So there are the seven spirits of the Lord. The first one is the spirit of the Lord, and then the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. So we have the seven spirits of the Lord. And the first one that is brought forth is the spirit of wisdom. That is because that is the most important area of your life. That's what you need most. And all seven attributes, or you could say all seven anointings of the Holy Spirit were on Jesus. And if he needed them, I fully agree that we need the Holy Spirit resting upon us as well if we want to accomplish and do everything that God has called us to do. Praise God. Mm -mm. So we see the spirit of wisdom, but there's also the other uh, anointings of the spirit that he walked in. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's drop it down from 7 to 2. Watch this. That way you can understand it better. You might think, well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't understand all of the seven spirits of God. Well, it is one of the most uh, beautiful studies in the Word of God. But to simplify it, to simplify it, uh, let's just jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and go to verse 22. For Jews re request a sign. Now, for a sign to come forth from God, that sign 
which is a supernatural sign, is something that would also be a demonstration of power. So when Jews request a sign, or that's really kind of like what makes it, makes a Jew excited, and still does today, uh, they really, um, not that they should need it, but they like miracles. They like the supernatural. My friend Sid Roth, he's a Jew. So that's why his ministry focuses so much on testimonies that are supernatural. Why? Because he's going after the Jews and they like, they like signs. They like the, the, the miraculous. Okay. For Jews request a sign or, or they want power, something that's miraculous and Greeks seek after wisdom. I mean, that's all the Greeks in a sense were known for. You had Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and these great philosophers. Uh, I say great, they, they had great intellects, <laughs> but as far as I know, and I've read you know, pretty uh, a lot on it, I don't think any of them uh, had any uh, interest in God or the God of the Bible, um, but the Greeks placed a tremendous uh, emphasis on Sophia or what we know as wisdom. But here Paul says, but we preach Christ. <laughs> that's, that's something that, that both of them aren't interested in. Now, we, we do understand also that when we see Greeks mentioned, uh, like what Paul is talking about, that can also be a reference to uh, the nations of the world. Because most of the uh, people in that part of the world at that time, they all spoke Greek. Okay, now, but we preach Christ, and it's not just that Paul preaches Christ, but Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. <laughs> they don't get it. And to the Greeks, foolishness. They, they think it's crazy. They're like, hey, where's the wisdom in this? You know, so, but to those who are called, that's you and I, both Jews and Greeks, Christ. The what? The power of God and the wisdom of God. So if you're looking at primarily what was on Christ or the anointed one, okay, because Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, th these are the anointings that were on the anointed one, the spirit of God that was on him. But here we see the anointed one, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the two primary things that you need are what? Well, their power and their wisdom, mm. the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now watch this because you're going to see both working in your life. This is going to help you fill your life out in every category, not just wisdom to help your little league soccer team win the game. Now that's great. That's great. Maybe one day they can get you coaching the world cup, but we're talking about wisdom that begins to work in every area every area. Mm -mm. This is your year. God's bringing you out of debt. God's bringing you into the overflow and the wisdom of God works and the power of God will manifest in your finances. Now, my friends, you have to work with God because God is a God, I would say of timing, but it's actually more accurate to say that God is a God of seasons and you can be faithful and faithful and faithful doing the right thing. And you might think, well, Lord, um, I'm, I'm working it, but uh, God watches. And as you're faithful, then God comes in and your season will begin to change. And you can go from glory to glory, strength to strength. God will start lifting you up and displaying his power and his wisdom through you. 
Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. And there will be a lot to show for it. Amen. And then, and then you will have the fullness so that your wisdom, your testimony is not, as I would say, half-baked. Okay. Now, I don't despise, and we shouldn't, the wisdom of the poor. But the fact that it would be in poverty is going to cause a lot of people not to have the ear to hear it. Now, God can speak through the average person sometimes a lot better than those that are intellectually confused. And I'm not against higher levels of education. I'm actually all for it. But you can lose touch with reality if you live in like an air castle all the time and don't get out with the real people and you don't go out and actually, you know, buy a gallon of milk and actually know how much it costs. So we're talking about, you know, working and walking in the real thing. But, you know, one time I was in a big city, a lot of homeless people, of course, uh, sad, but it's a reality, homeless people everywhere, which also means that um, you have the poor, Jesus said, among you always. That's because poverty is not a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. It has a spiritual root because you could give the people money, but there many of them will still stay homeless because why? Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe they're addicted to alcohol. Maybe they have uh, demon problems or whatever the case might be. And you just can't fix that by throwing money at it. It's a spiritual problem. But I was uh, in a big city one time and sitting down on a bench in a very crowded area. There were some homeless people there. And as I sat on this bench, a couple of homeless people came and they were, they were sitting pretty close by me. They were having a conversation and I could hear every single thing they were saying and they were talking and they have a conversation and the conversation started getting kind of deep. <laughs> it was, uh, it was about life and it was about, uh, certain ways of viewing things. And this one man, I guess the, the main guy that was kind of sharing, uh, his, uh, view or his take on things. Uh, the more I listened to him, boy, he kind of sounded like a college professor. I mean, this guy was, I mean, if you put him up in the classroom, you, he, he might've gotten a standing ovation. And then they concluded very quickly their conversation and they left. Why? Uh, somebody was handing out free sandwiches and they needed to go get a sandwich because <laughs> they were hungry. <laughs> so the problem is, is that nobody's going to really listen to them because they're homeless the, the clothes are wore out and dirty and hadn't had a shower maybe in, or a bath in maybe four years or something like that. So th those are just things that are going to be barriers for many to hear what they would have to say, even if it would be good. But God wants you cloaked in the full package. Praise the Lord. Doesn't mean that you have to be a multimillionaire, okay, and pull out, you know, a big wad of cash and say, now listen to me. Uh, no, you don't have to do that. You can speak in humility, even if you're wearing old blue jeans, you know, whatever, and an old wore out baseball cap. People will listen to you, but uh, if there's a poverty spirit on you, it will, it will distort things. Praise the Lord. So you want to speak from a platform of strength and God's fullness in your life. And that's what he's going to do. And that is actually what he is doing. Now look at this in the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter six. Praise God. God's not going to leave you half-baked. God's not going to leave you half-done. Uh, God wants you to have the full measure of Christ Jesus expressed in you, and he will, 
He will do all kinds of things to work in your life to see that you get there if you mean business with him. If you really want to get there, he will take you there. And he'll work with you. He'll work with your mind. He'll work with your understanding. He'll work with your devotional life with him. Uh, he'll help you to develop in areas of relationship and things like that so that you come into the image of Jesus being seen manifested through you. Praise God. That's what he's doing. Mark chapter six, verse one. Let me get a drink of my hot tea today. Praise God. Then he, that would be Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. Now watch this because they've got to admit it. They can't sweep it under the carpet. They can't act like it's not happening because now it's, it's too big. They get, so they have, they have to admit it at least. And, may, and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? So they had to admit, they were almost like forced to admit that what? He's got something. He's got something they don't have. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what in Ecclesiastes, the wise poor man did not have. He did not have completeness or a full expression to bring forth the clarity of the gospel that God wants to have expressed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. Now watch carefully. Watch carefully. Where did this man get these things? There will be some people that will say, maybe not in the same words, but almost exactly what has been said to Jesus, there will be those that will say it about you. Where did she get all that? Now how does she come into that? We know where she graduated from high school. She didn't even graduate at the top of her class. Now, how in the world is she doing all of this? Mm -mm. Now, they may not want in on your secret. They may not want in on your Jesus, but they'll have to admit it. Why? Because there it is. There it is right in front of them, and they can't, they can't deny it. Where did he get all of these things? What things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works. So he has all these things. He has wisdom. He has mighty works. And, there, uh, and it says that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I like what Dr. Billy Graham said years back. He said, before you, when all the world, God wants to win all of you. Hmm. Have you ever met Christians like that? They want to go out and get everybody saved. They want to tell everybody else how they need to make adjustments, corrections in here, and how they could live better, how they could do better. But it's, it's like they never want to stand in front of the mirror. <laughs> so they want to win everyone for Jesus. But God wants to win all of them. Why? So that their witness and their testimony is full not just one-third of the way filled up. Mm. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I was, in, I was in a meeting one time. I was actually the guest speaker 
I think the pastor that morning was having a little bit of a rough morning. His worship leader, after the praise and worship was over, the worship leader was frustrated. She said, I don't know why we come to church like this looking all tore up from the floor up. She said, we got to be doing better than this. Well, even the floor was tore up. The carpet looked horrible. <laughs> Again, we put a rug down. There's big holes in the carpet. The carpet's 50 years old, but they kind of look kind of tore up like the floor was. And she said, we, we're like all tore up literally from the floor up. Does it affect your witness? Uh, it affects your spirit. I know that. Mm, I wouldn't want to preach to somebody if I hadn't had a bath in 10 days. I think, uh, I think I'd feel better sharing Jesus with them if I took a bath first. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, you need to be natural. Just let it flow. Well, I don't know if we need to let all that flow. Praise God. Mm, mm. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying you have to have your nails polished and, you know, you got to be dressed to the nines, but you do want to feel, you want to feel at peace. Hallelujah. You want to feel good about yourself? Praise the Lord. Mm. These things are important. And if you skip over them, your conscience will bug you. What is your conscience? It's the voice of your spirit. And when you were born again, your spirit was recreated. You passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. And your conscience is your spirit talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm. And your spirit says, you're telling them to get your life in order. Uh, you need to get yourself in order. Praise God. That's why a lot of people stay real busy so they can override their spirit because the moment they get quiet, uh, not only does God try to talk to them, but their own conscience tries to speak to them, but uh, they don't want to hear that. Praise the Lord. Mm. That's why we must learn to wait on the Lord. so that our strength can be renewed. Amen. And what wisdom is this, which is given to him? They're going to say that about you. Where'd you get it from? You didn't get it from the college. We knew you when you graduated from college. They can't give that to you. Where'd you get this from? Who you been talking to? Mm, that's such mighty works. Mighty works. Mighty works aren't just raising people from the dead. Praise the Lord. Although that certainly is a mighty work. Mighty works. It's not just opening blind eyes, but it is the full spectrum of your life glorifying God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Mm -mm. Before you go up, God's going to get you filled up. That's what I'm hearing. A lot of people honestly sometimes really want what we would call the rapture or the catching way of the church. They want it. They want it, and I want it too, because, you know, I, there is the cry of the heart of Maranatha. Lord, come quickly. That's, that's in the Bible, inspired by the Spirit. But some people want the Lord to come to get them out of hot water. <laughs> God, come get me out of here, because I'm not winning. <laughs> and life's not fun when you're not winning. Praise the Lord. But God's going to change your testimony that you not only deliver the city, and the, but you maybe you have the wisdom to deliver the city, and they come give you a reward. They give you a $100 a gift certificate to the restaurant. You say, I keep your gift certificate. I can eat anywhere I want and buy my own food. I don't need you to give me a gift coupon. I, I, I appreciate that. Give it to somebody that needs it. Praise God. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Mm, mm, mm. You know, you work for a company, 
for 30 years. And yes, of course, they paid you, gave you a paycheck and stuff like that. But you know, you put your heart into it and you, you help the company to maybe become a multi-billionaire, multi-millionaire company. And you, you, you finish and you retire after maybe 40 years and they give you, they give you a $75 watch. Uh, no, no, keep the watch. I, I don't need a $75 watch. <laughs> Praise God. Full, full testimony. See, that's why they forgot who he was, what his vision was. Now, they, they did remember that uh, there was a guy that delivered the city. We don't even know what his name was, though. Why? It, uh, you have a lot of... Uh, in English, this would be like an amorphism. This is uh, like a play on words. Wise, poor man. It, it, in Hebrew, it is also a play on words where it's catching your attention to slow down to see, oh, this is why he was forgotten. But when the church is caught out of the earth, the world will know uh, who were the ones that left because the church was in charge. We were the ones pushing back the gates of hell. We were the ones that kept the planet a sane place. And we were the ones also that were walking in the blessing. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And yes, there will be those whose names were cemented even after we're gone. They'll be saying, we're glad they're gone because, wow, they, you know, couldn't stop them, basically. Couldn't shut them up. And uh, praise God. Amen. This is the church's hour. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, there are those who would greatly desire to step into the shoes and play the role of the Antichrist. But whoever that person is, in the long line, uh, the long list of those wanting to put their feet in those shoes, they're just going to have to wait a while because we're not done yet because the gospel has not yet been preached into the whole world. And until that happens, the end will not yet come. The end of this uh, dispensation or this age in which we are in. Very quickly, Matthew chapter 11, God's working on your mind right now, helping you to solve problems, helping you to fix areas. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Matthew chapter 11. You're going to have the full testimony. Are you ready? You're going to have the full testimony this year. Praise God. Fullness in your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In other words, the truths that you proclaim will be seen in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom, Jesus said, but wisdom is justified by what? By your children. Wisdom has children. Wisdom will always have proofs. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm a poor, wise man. Uh, wait a minute. This, uh, th these words like don't, they don't fit together. And if they are bunched together, that means that something here is out of order. And it means that somebody's going to be forgotten, bypassed, or whatever the case might be. Pastor Stephen, we should love everybody the same. We should. We should. But there's something about poverty. Uh, poverty brings a reproach. And the Bible says that 
When we fail to follow instructions, it can bring poverty and shame. So somewhere, somewhere there in that category, somebody has failed somewhere to follow an instruction. And we can't say that ignorance is an excuse because if we're violating laws, whether they're natural or spiritual, they still keep on working. Even if we don't know about them, even if we don't even believe in them, they're still working. So as we fix areas through operating in the wisdom of God, it begins to touch every area of our lives and everything starts getting colorful and beautiful and the glory of God starts coming in. That's why you can take a person who is walking with the Lord in the wisdom of the word, and you could, you could take everything from them. Like what happened to the Christians in the first century where sometimes they were forced to flee and maybe they had their homes plundered and all of their goods taken from them. When you're walking in covenant, you can move to another country. You can move to another state and you can start all over again. And you know what? You'll start going right back up again. Why? Because the principles work. Remember when Job had everything, everything taken from him, God, when the season changed for Job, God brought it all back exactly to a T double. And he brought it back real quick, double. So if you, if you had everything plundered and taken or wrongfully uh, put in jail or wrongfully uh, convicted of something that you didn't do, God can restore and God can give it all back because it all comes from God in the first place. Praise the Lord. And God is lifting up his people as we lift up Jesus. Again, verse 19, but wisdom is justified or shown to be the right way to go. It's shown to be the right way to live. How? By her children. In other words, there's proofs in your life. There's evidences in your life, children, as Jesus would say, that, hey, this is the way, this is the way to live. I like going to bed at night and feeling good in my heart and good in my conscience that everything between me and God is good and everything between any human that I know on this planet is good. I, I haven't wronged anybody. I haven't lied about anybody. I haven't done anybody wrong or anything like that. Praise God. It's good to have that, that cleanness, that purity in your conscience. Do you know how many people don't have that? Praise the Lord. And it just begins to work in every area of your life. Praise the Lord. And I see it. I see the wisdom of God transferring into these areas where previously there was a lack of the knowledge, a lack of the wisdom of God, but it's, it's rushing into those areas and it will turn a dry desert wasteland into the garden of the Lord. I see you having financial children. I see you having proofs when others say, well, so you're one of those that believe the Bible, that believe God wants you blessed. Yeah, I sure do. I believe it a whole lot. Take a look. Is that a new car you're driving? Yeah, it sure is. Just got it. Matter of fact, praise God. No, I'm, I actually didn't just get one. I'm just, I'm just talking by example. Yes, I believe it. I believe it a whole lot. Yeah, I guess you believe in that hundredfold. I sure do. Hallelujah. I preach it everywhere I go. Oh, you know, whatever it might be. I, yeah, I live my life by it. Eat, sleep, breathe it, live it. Hallelujah. <laughs> but look, you'll have children all over the place. Children all over the place. Mm. Praise the Lord. Well, I guess you believe in that joy and that, that holy laughter. I guess you believe in that too. Yeah, I sure do. Sure do. Sometimes I just get so happy I can hardly stand it. <laughs> Woo! 
glory. Yeah, I believe it. I believe the Bible, all of it, all of it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I see you with the full testimony, and I see you, even as Psalm 112 says, that there is a, there is a memory, there is a legacy of the righteous. Not this thing, well, they're gone. Who were they anyhow? Where were we never done? Who knows? Who knows? Well, they helped us out once. They had a good idea, rescued the city, but oh, who cares? No. No, you will make your mark in the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom. We give you praise, Father God, that wisdom, of course, is better than strength. We thank you for that. And we thank you that your wisdom is the wisdom that trumps all forms of worldly wisdom that would be sensual or demonic or worldly or earthly or twisted. We thank you that your wisdom is pure. We thank you, Father God, that your wisdom offers eternal solutions. Father, we thank you for your power and your wisdom resting on our lives. I thank you that, Father, for those that are watching as they as they uh, devour your wisdom, your word, your principles, your way of living. I thank you for your proofs of power and wisdom of children, these proofs, these children proofs walking around all over their life, in their house, in their heart, everywhere they look. We thank you. We thank you, Father, you're working. We're, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you that you're working to make everything whole. We thank you for no distorted destinies that would be robbed because of low vision due to wisdom not transferring into the reality of our economic lives, our financial well-being. We give you praise. Father, I thank you for bringing your people out of debt as they are tithers, as they give offerings we thank you, Father God, that you are radically eliminating debt out of the life of your people. We give you praise. We give you praise, Father God. We thank you for the empowerment of your people financially. Father, I pray for those that are watching that you continue to lift them for the sake, for the sake of the covenant. I thank you that you give them the power to get wealth for the establishing of your covenant, for the for the funding of the gospel to be preached around the world, for the saving of souls. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're working right now with a mighty, with a powerful testimony in the lives of your people. Thank you, Father, that they walk in humility and that they give you all of the glory for what you're doing because the acceleration is taking place even now. Father, we thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, there's nothing beautiful about poverty. There's nothing beautiful or holy about little children starving. Starvation to death is one of the most painful and cruel means of suffering that any human could ever go through. The only person capable of creating and inflicting such a thing upon humanity is Satan himself. Poverty is, is horrible 
May the Lord bless you with overflow in every area of your life. May you walk in the prosperity of the Lord and have full testimony. Praise God. Praise God. You are blessed to be a blessing. And I see children of wisdom all around you, children of wisdom all around you. And even in the book of Ecclesiastes, the same man, Solomon himself said, money answers all things. Now that's a natural answer to natural things. Uh, it doesn't take care of a person's eternal destination, but it does give us the ability to cause the gospel to be sent. Praise the Lord. And it also pays the dentist bill when somebody is screaming in pain because uh, something has erupted there in that uh, nerve ending of the tooth. And you could say, well, God bless you. God's with you, brother. Hang in there. Or you could say, I know you don't have the money. Go ahead and get the thing pulled out. I'll pay for it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Boy, they'll think you're Solomon. They'll think Solomon ain't got nothing on you. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. You're blessed. Amen. Now, if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, the blessing begins in him. Because you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't know Jesus you're spiritually bankrupt. And Jesus said, what does it matter if a man gains all of the world, but loses his own soul? Eternity is real. Heaven is real and hell is real. Yes, hell actually will end one day because hell itself, which is an entity, hell will be thrown into the lake of fire. Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire all of those who have rejected Christ will be thrown into the lake of fire. And it goes on for all eternity it is a place that is so awful that God said it was never even originally designed for man. It was designed for Satan and all of the demons. But because men reject Christ and choose to love darkness, that's their eternal abode also. So, you need to make the wisest choice you've ever made, and you need to receive Jesus into your heart right now and get your life right with God. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised that you're going to wake up and have another day. Everybody thinks they are, but things happen. So pray this prayer right now. And also, if you are watching me and you used to be a Christian, but you got caught up in the, in the world, kind of like the Apostle Paul said, Demas has forsaken me. Or he ran off, went back, and got into sin. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're Demas, running around in the world, living in sin. It's a, it is a deception. It is a deception. Come back now. Come back right now and get your life right with God. Get back in the high life. Get back in the clean life. Get yourself ready to go to be with the Lord. All right, let's pray. Just say, Lord Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Welcome to the only safe place. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, when you walk with the Lord, you don't have to worry about things. 
while we do want to walk, yes, in wisdom, and you certainly wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to put your money in a bank, you know, that would be a, a fruity bank that's managed by a bunch of nuts, you know, and then, then the bank dissolves, everybody loses their money, whatever the case might be, or put your money into like um, FTX or something like that. But at the same time, you, your trust is in God. Pastor Stephen, they're trying to crash the dollar and send us into a, uh, you know, like a, a U.S. Uh, back crypto treasury dollar, whatever. Uh, just walk with the Lord and go on. Your trust is in the Lord. Your prosperity is in the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, through, and I'm not, this is not going to happen, but throughout history, even, you know, uh, back in the 1900s, you know, World War One and World War Two, you had nations that were just wiped out after the ends of war and, you know, currency is worthless. But you know what? Things just start right back up and keep right back on moving. So God will take care of you. Even if you have to move some things around, juggle some things, change this or that, uh, the Lord will show you what to do. But there's always just peace in the Lord, peace in the Lord. And as long as we're in this world, there will always be these various types of threats of this or that, but we just trust God. And in him, we're solid and secure. Praise the Lord. Praise God, no matter what would take place. And we're praying for peace and God's blessing and restoration on this nation. Praise the Lord. Let's take Holy Communion, grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And if you don't have one of these little wafers, just grab a cracker or a piece of bread or whatever you might have available. And let's pray. And if, by the way, if you're a Christian, you can receive communion. Okay. So jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice, and we bless it. And we now set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your word is working in our lives. We thank you that your word is working in our walk with you, in our finances, in our health. God, we give you praise in our relationships, in our friendships, in our career fields. Your word is working in our lives, in our dreams, in our visions. Your word is working in our lives. We thank you as we receive, Father, the Lord's flesh. We thank you that wisdom is justified by children and for lots of little children running all around us. We give you all of the praise for these proofs and for the Lord's body. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. God is really, 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 really good. Hallelujah. Jesus really, really, really loves you a whole lot. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that keeps us in you. We thank you for its cleansing power, its protective power. And Father, we know that with the blessings, there come persecutions. But Father, anybody or anyone that sinned against us, we forgive anybody. We don't hold any bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness against anyone. We forgive anyone. Father, make us uh, unoffendable. We thank you. We will not be offended, but we will love people. 
Now, Father, we thank you. And even when done wrong, forgive them, but we keep on moving in you. Father, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus working in our lives, helping us with our wisdom mentality. Thank you, Father, for the wisdom and the power of you, O oh God. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise as we receive the blood of Jesus for the seven spirits of the Lord resting on our minds, on our, on our shoulders, the anointing. Thank you, Father, knowing what to do. Thank you that you're working. Thank you that you're lifting up your people. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's receive together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, for a few, this is not a word for all, but as I was just receiving the Lord's blood, for a few, there's going to be some unexpected travel this year. And that travel, I sense, actually will be out of the country, and it will be uh, kingdom business. The Lord will be involved in it. it. It could be business, but it's because the Lord's involved in it. It could be ministry, but it's because the Lord's involved in it. But wherever the traveling is led, it's because there's, there is the underlying denominator that God's involved in this, so I'm going. Mm -mm. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Amen. Make sure you have your passports ready. You know, you get your passport. That's not just to keep on the wall and say, I've got a passport. It's to use it when the spirit moves. Praise God. Glory. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, bless your people. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my friends, before I say goodbye, I'm putting up on the screen now. Opportunity and ways that you can sow and give into this ministry. Okay, so if you want to give by text, you can just text on your phone, and an offering can come electronically right through that. Or if you want to visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, there's the link on the homepage that says give. There's a, there is a, and that's red. There's an orange bracket that says projects. You can go there if you like and sow a seed. Praise God. I would also like for you to be mindful as we're getting closer also to uh, Passover, that you would pray about what you could do special on Passover Resurrection Sunday. You know, on, on Passover, God gave his very best. And on Passover, Kelly and I, we also like to always give our very best offering to the Lord. I want you to be mindful about that as we're still, you know, some weeks out. But pray about that and keep that uh, in your heart. Don't keep it on the back burner. Keep it in your heart so that you, can, uh, that you can honor that biblical principle. Because that's what God did. He gave His best on that time. God the Father gave His Son. And we want to give our best seed love offering. Our seed love offering. That's what God gave, a love offering of His Son. Sowed His Son as a seed. Why? Because He had one son. But he wanted a family, praise God. And now he's got one. He's got one. Billions of us believers all around the world and those that are the cloud of witnesses in the glory realm. Praise the Lord. So keep that in mind. Thank you for your support. Thank you for giving, helping us to continue to preach the gospel to over 200 nations of the world every single week. Okay? So God bless you and look forward to seeing you back real soon again next time. Bye-bye.